Hey guys, welcome to the Delta. Today we're going to be talking about privatization of public education and how that might lead to stagnation. Yeah, that's stagnation right there. That's just nothing <laughs> happening. It just stops dead. There's nothing going on. So we're going to get into that right now. All right, welcome back to the Delta. My name is Nicholas Linky. I'm here with my wife, Christina, and we are a Midwestern family of five, right? I mean, that's where we are. Uh, I'm a teacher at uh, rural school, and my wife works in public education as well. Right. I am a sign language interpreter. So I made this comment that the privatization of the public education system leads to stagnation. Stag parties. At least a what? Stag parties. No, it. <laughs> no, sorry. So go ahead and explain what you mean about stagnation. So what I'm actually referring to is that it is that stop. It is just everything comes to a halt and it almost reduces the amount of progress that we have made and want to make with public education. And I understand that a lot of people have different philosophies on what education is supposed to do for our students. But I think to a degree, it's getting confused of what it means to make students into autonomous individuals, to make them so that they can do their own things whenever they graduate. Because I'm working at the level of high school, but I'm looking at graduation as the end-all, be-all of my performance, right? If they walk across that stage, they graduate and go on to tech school, college, into the workforce or military. What happens is, is that when they finally leave and they go on, I step back and go, I have to start all over, right? I mean, that's really where I am. Uh, if you, Camus, he talks about the myth of Sisyphus, right? The idea is, is that, Sisyphus is doomed to push the rock, push the boulder right, up to the top right. of the mountain. And at the very end, it rolls back down over top and then lays at the Does bottom. It and it again, just, yep. Yeah, so this this is the thing. It's a common, you know, whether or not Sisyphus is happy with what he's doing, even though it's always over and over again. And this redundancy is really kind of something that we most of the time see, I don't know, in life in general. I just have this picture, this image in my mind of Sisyphus being this dung beetle. <laughs> and pushing this dung up again and again. And I just I just pictured you molding this dung. The, not saying the dung is a student, not this, saying the dung is that's the metaphor. Not saying that the dung is, you know, your content, but <laughs> I mean sometimes you gotta go through a lot of dung. To you know. Okay, so as this as this anyway, unroll, yeah, they'll stand with this. So back down at the bottom, right? I push, right, I push right. and push the boulder. Let's just call it the boulder, right? Up at the top of the mountain, and the idea is, is that it rolls back down and you start over. Well, honestly, as a high school teacher, I push it over the ridge, right? I push it over the apex. It's over top of the the mountain, hits the peak, and rolls down the other side is what really happens because they graduate. They leave. Right, they go right. on. And then I walk myself somberly, head hung, all the way back down the mountain to go <laughs> and start with the next group of sophomores 
to carry them and, and walk them all the way up to the top. So the mission, the goal is to consistently start over. And as I reach success, right, it really is that it feels like I'm going nowhere. But every single time I start over, it's with a new group of kids, a right. new group of minds. I was, And that's what I was going to say, too. There's often times where – so all three of our kids have had the same teacher for one of the grades. And every time they have that teacher and they come home with the same work, I always think, man, doesn't this teacher get bored teaching the same thing? But same content, different minds in the classroom. So it makes sense that it's not always the same thing, you know, and they are getting different perspectives, different family values that are added into that classroom, different thoughts and, you know, ways to look at things. I just think that's so every time I think that the teachers are what if they're bored, you know, pushing that pushing that boulder up the hill, you know, they go back down to the bottom. It's a different boulder. Each time it's 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 changed a little bit, you know, right. You can't you can't take it up the same mountain, up the same path. Right. But along the way, you have to make modifications. You have to make sure that it doesn't roll back down and fail pretty much. Right. But really what it comes down to is sometimes we do get bored. Right. We reinvent a bunch of different curriculum. We make videos. We make everything under the sun to reach out and try to get these students to understand what the same thing that we taught a few years ago that doesn't work for this new student. So it seems redundant. It feels like sometimes the school system has stagnated. Really, there's nowhere new that we can go considering that all the curriculum has is approved and now it's almost under attack at certain points in time. There's no trust there that everything that we've been doing for a while has been working. We have these new ideas of what education is supposed to be. And I think the idea of what it's supposed to be has been lost by the simple fact that it has become stagnated because they're trying to get around this idea that it's supposed to create critical thinkers and supposed to create progress of the students making a difference in the world they are inheriting. And how it seems at some schools is that we kind of turn the power over to the students. We get them to have buy-in to the different disciplines that they're engaged in, to the subjects that they're a part of. They help us be able to like figure out what they want to learn about. They get involved more so as sports. They take on a leadership role at the school. And the administrators, the teachers, are kind of empowering the students to have a voice. And it's almost becomes their education. It's their choice to do what they want to do with the content that we're giving them. Right. It's not just me pushing the boulder up to the top of the mountain. They're helping me with their own education. They're becoming actuators of their own. But you flip that and you say, OK, well, now we have school choice, which seems like a good idea. Right. It seems like, oh, well, now we have choice. But really what it is, is the guise of giving somebody a possible outcome that they now have free will about but instead it's just privatization for profit you know I also read somewhere a long time ago back when people started talking about school choice because of Betsy DeVos and I really didn't think it would progress this far but 
like I said, it was a long time ago, but somebody mentioned that if you get school choice and you choose to go to a different school, that's your choice. You have to give up the option for any kind of special accommodations. Like if you choose to go to this school, you can. However, we don't have to provide an interpreter. I did find that kind of interesting how, I mean, you are given choice, but you also lose so much of what you have to work with as well. Right. So the idea is that they're not held to the same standards, right? It's not a government entity. So it's kind of one of those things that you choose under what parameters you want the school to behave within and not exactly what makes that student successful. This is just a reminder that the Delta is a member of the Heartland Pod family of podcasts. Join us every other Wednesday as we grow this show into a reflection of our lives where family, school, life, science, and politics all converge. Check out some of our other shows, including the Heartland Pod, the Flyover View, High Country, and Let's Have a Chat. Also, you can check out some of our collection of family projects on GlassroomHive.com, like our family YouTube channel called Stink Finks, Nicholas's two-minute lectures on his Hourglass Science channel, and our published books, whether it be our children's book, Dharma and Eldon and the Sandwich, or our new adult fiction like the Nure series. Another way to be transparent about progressive lives in the Midwest, GlassroomHive.com. Now back to our show. So privatization doesn't just stagnate the student, right, where they can't actually get the help that they need and stop them from getting to the top of the mountain. What it does more so as my concern is that it stops progress inside of our nation because really what's going on is that whenever you start controlling the information that the students are getting and you start treating it like it's a choice to inspire them to not be indoctrinated, to not be taught these radical supposed things that are being agendas that are supposedly pushed upon these students, what you're really doing is you're controlling so much of the narrative of the public education system. And you're preventing them from being critical thinkers as well. Right. So whenever you have them not becoming critical thinkers right, and they can't actually do anything with that, it stagnates the nation. And I don't mean it like it just conserves what's going on. It's not that it just makes sure that nothing changes. I mean, I know that there's people, a certain degree, that are teachers as well, that believe school is just for the purposes of making sure that students learn how the system that they're going to get into that they're going to be put into works so if i graduate from high school i should go in and know how the government works i know how the system the laws all of that stuff and how it already functions and i should just be an active member in that i also think that from a much i know you're in high school but from the elementary level i feel like you can also tell a good teacher by i mean Yes, you're going to have times when you say you have to do what everyone else is doing. You have to stand in a line. We're walking down the hall, that kind of thing. But you can always tell a good teacher, at least I can, instead of saying, no, you have to do what everyone else is doing. They're saying, you know, as long as the kid, I mean, that's how it was for, for our son, you know, 
as long as his, he he's paying attention, he's he can hear. He's paying attention. He just can't sit still. So I'm going to let him sit over here, and I'm going to let him wiggle for a little bit. But he's not hurting anybody. He can still learn. Allowing those kids to still be active listeners and still participate while not doing what everyone else is doing because sometimes their bodies or their brains just can't. And giving them the ability to kind of do other things. I remember his kindergarten teacher, whenever she tested him going into kindergarten, she said, you know, because I knew her, um, you know, we were close. It was very much the, yeah, he was kind of all over the place, but he did great because I could, I mean, he was doing other things and he was moving all over the place and doing all these things, but he was still doing what I was asking him to do. So seeing that in teachers and they notice these things as opposed to making them just fall in line. I feel like that kind of those little things like that to me makes it stand out that yes, that, that is a good teacher. And it's those teachers that break the rules. Those are the teachers that modify and change the rigid structure of the classroom to say, I want you to be successful in your own way. And what that really comes down to being is this. The public education system originally was small one-room classrooms where you have multiple grades. They're very rural, and it's just these situations to where it's kind of self-contained, right? It's more along the lines of what the school that I work at where it's all compressed down to one building, pre-K through 12, right? They're all there. They've all grown up with each other. The classes aren't consolidated into one, but there's a lot of overlap, right? The kids have multiple classes mm. with me and together. So in that respect, what we've done with public education to now is said, we have this one small room schoolhouse where people learn over and over again, and they might get as far as eighth grade. Right. And then it was they might as get as far as high school. High school was one of those things that like if you understood how lectures work, if you understood how public education was in a rigid sense where you sat there and you did your job and you and you carefully crossed all the lines and dotted all the T's, education wasn't made for everyone. It wasn't made for everyone to be successful at that point in time. And what we've done now is said graduation has to be where everybody gets over the cliff. Everybody gets over the mountain and gets pushed to the other side. And what that really has done is made us not lower the expectations of what the students are supposed to accomplish, but it's made it so that each one of them has to have a specialized program to getting to the top of the mountain. Because one student that I say, oh, you're going to probably go to tech school because that's the way your mind works. And that's the way that it reaches you. And that's what you care about. Right. It's not a tracking system. It's like I'm paying attention to the person that you are and I'm going to make you successful. And by doing that, my curriculum is completely different than if I was raising a bunch of doctors. Like if I was just raising doctors, that's it. Like you guys all do this. It's a weed out class. Go do your thing. And that's the way colleges treat kids. I mean, that's the point of what college now is real education that we're supposedly supposed to be preparing them for. And I don't think like you said I don't think it starts whenever they come to me. I think that starts much earlier on that they start seeing this thing that they have the power to control their own education, but the good teachers, the good teachers are the ones that, that give them that power, give them that autonomy, 
and at the same time, make sure they're successful in their own right. Right. And I, I feel like as far as critical thinking, if you don't start that very early, by the time they do get to you, it's not a sense of, well, I'm kind of lost. Like I have so little time to teach you how to become this critical thinker, you know, and I, I do see it more and more with our kids now, but I remember just going through the memorization, you know, of everything. And so I think it's interesting that, you know, when we did virtual school, you know, our son did not have the time or he didn't have, he didn't go through third grade in seat. He went through third grade virtually. So he didn't do the rote memorization of the multiplication tables versus our next kid who went through third grade and she is doing both memorization and learning. Well, why does it make it like that? Why is it three times seven? Oh, well, it's three groups of seven or whatever. And so he can't just rattle off those numbers. He can't just, oh, yeah, this times this is this, where she can and she can explain it. So I think that that's just interesting to see the difference there. Right. And I think that's part of the whole COVID situation right. and why it's been kind of so easy to be able to target public education at this point in time. It's like, look at how bad it is. Look at how bad these students are doing. Look at how much they don't know. Look at how bad the test scores are. It's like, yeah, it's a ripple effect called COVID that we didn't pay attention to. We didn't do a good job of managing because we really didn't know what we needed to do. And you have all this diversity of learning happening with all of these different kids. And now they're all shoved into homes with parents that do not understand how the education system works. And that's exactly what I was going to say. They're undereducated about the education process. I am not a teacher, and I am, but I am a parent, and I'm also in the education system. So I kind of see both sides of it. So I can see when parents say, well, you know, why are they doing it like this? I can see, yes, I can see their perspective, but I also see, mm, I know why they're doing it like this. So it's really hard for me to weigh in on that because I can see both sides of it. And I think that's what makes your perspective so unique and so important to actually hear is that you have very much, I was a mother during COVID struggling with three students that were my own children at points in time, trying to manage three different grade levels during this pandemic you are also the advocate for differently abled learners inside of a classroom so that you can come to the table and teach them language on their own while at the same time assisting them with their own education. So you have that supportive structure built in and you're also so deeply ingrained in that classroom that even though you might be like, I really don't know how I would do that, you can almost step back and say, but I appreciate your expertise of you being able to approach that situation because I realize I don't know how to make lesson plans. Absolutely. I've always said that I can implement whatever you want me to, and I will support you all the way as <laughs> one of the students the other day referred to me as a sign kick. And I, th <laughs> I thought that was really cute. 
Because at first we thought she said sidekick and both the teacher and I were like, hold on, what did you just say? And I don't even know if she knew what she said, but she knew that I did sign language. So I thought that was really cool. And I was like, stealing that, using that for the rest of my career, a sign kick. It's it's great. It's a, it's <laughs> right. a perfect indication of how important you are to those students that you are helping to be able to communicate, right? I mean, you might actually look at it like they're the superhero. They're the ones that need to take care of their education. They're the ones that's actually pushing the rock or the boulder or the dung up the mountain, right? right? And at the very end of it all, we are the support, supportive structure of the facilitator to make sure their education gets done. Absolutely. The public education system isn't built around the idea that I'm graduating these kids and it's my responsibility to get them to the top. The point is, is that I'm supposed to assist them so that they get to the top by themselves. And once they're over that mountain, over that ridge, that's whenever they start taking on leadership roles in society. It doesn't stagnate society because they're the ones that are making the progress happen. The Delta is a production of MidMap Media, LLC. You can check us out at theheartlandpod.com or on Twitter at theheartlandpod. Thank you.